0: This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thanks for being here today, everyone. Before we jump into the show today, I wanted to let you all know that this week, I'm going to be sending out a free guide for members of the Marriage, Kids & Money community on how to save $1,000 without leaving your home. I'm calling it the 3 Steps to 1K Challenge. If you want in on this money-saving guide, please go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash join. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash join. Okay, back to the show. Lately, the shows and interviews I've been doing have been focused on decreasing your expenses and increasing your income. When we focus on these two areas, it'll allow us to become experts in increasing our net worth, our passive income, and our opportunities for financial independence. Today, we're diving into increasing your income through real estate. I had a chance to speak with an expert real estate investor named Mark Ferguson the other day. Mark currently owns 14 rental properties that provide him with $7,000 per month in passive income. He's also spent the last decade and a half flipping over 120 houses and selling over 1,000 homes as a real estate agent. He now manages a team of 10 that focus on growing and maintaining the overall real estate portfolio. Now, all of those impressive numbers may sound intimidating, but when Mark started out, he had just one house, a very tight income, and he made a lot of mistakes. That's how we learn. That's the path to becoming an expert. Mark's hard work over the years and his professional team allow him to work less than 40 hours per week, so that he can be a good husband and a father to his five-year-old twins and play golf at least once a week. If you're interested in how you can make money through real estate, whether it's through flipping, selling, or renting, take the next 30 minutes and listen to this interview with Mark Ferguson. His entrepreneurial story is inspiring and motivating. Okay, let's dive into real estate with Mark Ferguson.
1: How's it going, Mark? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show and excited to share some knowledge. Excellent. That's what we're here for. We're here to
0: take all that good knowledge out of your brain and apply it for everybody else. Very cool. So could <laughs> could you tell us a little bit about yourself, Mark?
1: Um, yeah. So I'm in the real estate industry I've been a real estate agent for oh, 16 years now, a real estate investor as well with rental properties and I fix and flip homes. And then I also write about everything I do and I've written some books and, and do a podcast. So I've uh, keep myself busy. Excellent.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a, a great life and a lot of fun uh, being able to share the the stuff that you've learned as well. So so let's talk about real estate. Can you tell us a little bit about the the side of the business that you have that's focused on real estate?
1: Um, yeah, so you know I have a lot of things going on like I said. Um, I'm in Colorado so our real estate market here is absolutely crazy with price increases which makes it interesting. Um, but yeah, on, on the agent side, you know I started out right after college. Um, my dad was an agent, worked with him and you know took me a while to find success on that side of it but eventually did and I built up a team and then along the way, I've always kind of fixed and flipped houses with my dad a little bit. And then a few years ago, I bought him out and ramped up that business. So right now we have 17 flips going wow. uh, at one t- Yeah. So that keeps me pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I bought 16 rentals along the way, actually sold a couple this last year. Um, cause our market's so crazy. And then, yeah, I've got a few books and just try and teach people about being an agent, That's buying good. houses, buying investments, all that.
0: That's incredible. So, um, so you said it was it was a little bit family born as you as you kind of grew up into it. But um did you did you go right into real estate after school or was there another a path that you were considering or was real estate always always your main focus?
1: No, when I was growing up, you know, I was sleeping under my dad's desk when he was in the office. I was surrounded by real estate, and I actually wanted nothing to do with it in high school and college. I just I wanted to kind of do my own thing. I got a degree in business finance. And when I graduated, it was 2001, and I couldn't really find my perfect job. I didn't like the options that were out there. So I thought, I'll just work part time with my dad until I figure things out. And then I got sucked into the business, and that part time grew into a career, you know, 16 years later. <laughs> wow. Wow.
0: So, so what, uh, what changed in you as you started to get involved in it that made you uh, want it to, to become a career or made you love it a little bit more than
1: you thought when you were younger? Um, I really liked the house flipping side of it. So, you know, when I first started, my dad would flip, you know, a house or two a year and that was really fun for me. Um, the agent side wasn't as fun because I'm not very outgoing, even though I do podcasts and do all this other stuff, it's not the (laughs) easiest thing for me. And so I wasn't good at calling people. I wasn't good at following up. So I really had to push myself to do well as an agent, but the flipping side really interested me. And at the same time, I kind of saw my friends from college doing these corporate jobs and, you know, making very little money and not having any freedom and not being very happy. And I kind of thought, well, real estate, maybe it's not so bad with my own schedule. Um, you know, it's kind of like running my own business. So I, I really started to like it, and enjoy it once I got into the business more. And, and really the freedom is just phenomenal.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So could you describe, uh, I've heard about flipping. I think people know what flipping is at a high level, but maybe you could describe the typical process of, of flipping a house. What does that What does that entail?
1: Yeah. So um, you know, there's a lot of really key important points to flipping. They have a lot of house flipping shows on television now that I really don't like very much because I think they leave a lot out and kind of give the wrong impression. Hmm. But um, you know, the the real basics are finding an awesome deal. That's probably the hardest part in the part they don't really show you on TV. But um, you know, you, you can buy houses that are listed, which we do. You know, with other agents, you can buy from auctions. Um, you can buy from people who don't have their house listed. And you can buy from other investors. And so, you know, finding the deal is the main part of it. Um, Financing it, you know, most banks don't want to finance a short-term loan, a fix and flip. So there's challenges there. Um, And then, of course, the repair process, you want to fix it up, make it nice, you know, fix all the safety issues, really. You know, we focus on making sure the homes are in good shape and will last a long time, not just putting lipstick on a pig to make them look nice. And then, of course, you know, there's carrying costs, selling costs. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. And to kind of give people an example of what kind of deals you have to get, you know, I typically buy a house for maybe $100,000. We might fix it up for $30,000. And then we would actually want to sell that house for at least $180,000 um, to make, you know, the necessary profit and to really. Be rewarded for the risk we're taking. So you have to pay real estate agents. You have to pay, you know, interest on the loan. All those costs can really add up to just as much as the repairs are on a house.
0: Yeah, and your and your time that you invest, and obviously you want to make you want to make money on the investment too. So that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so, exactly. So uh, we, we talked a little bit about flipping. Are you are you mostly interested in flipping homes? Do you, do you keep them and hold them and rent them as well, or is flipping your main your main business?
1: Um, you know, it's constantly changing. So. Flipping, I think, is more of a job than actually investing in real estate because you know once you sell a house, it's gone. You right. have to keep doing it over and over and over again to make money. And then you're kind of taxed the same way as a regular job as well. Um, so I I love flipping. It's a lot of fun. But I also love rental properties. And you know, one of my goals is to buy 100 rentals. And I actually sold a couple, which didn't help me on that goal. But our, our market's so crazy here. Um, just to give you an example, in 2012 our median price was about 110,000 mm-hmm. and i'm in Greeley, Colorado, which is about 50 miles north of Denver mm-hmm. and right now our median price is over 260,000. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, in 5 years it's, you know, more than doubled. That's insane. It, it's just it's still going up. So, when i buy rentals, you know, i really focus on cash flow, on uh, being able to make money every month on them, you know, after you pay all the expenses. And I started buying in 2010. At that time, there were a lot of good deals, the rents were really good, and you could make money on rentals. But the last couple years, the prices have gone up so much and the rents have not kept up Mm. that you can't really make money in my area with rentals. So that's why I have stopped buying them. And I've I've looked at other markets, I've thought about moving into commercial, so I definitely wanna keep buying long-term investments but you have to make sure the market you're in is right and the numbers make sense. So right now with the prices being so
0: high, have you focused more on flipping or are you just holding right now until we get a,
1: a market correction or market change? Um I've mostly been focused on flipping. Yeah. Okay. I mean, a couple of years ago, we were doing maybe five to ten flips at a time. Hmm. And you know, I might take the income I'm making or the extra money and buy rentals. And with the market change, I've just kind of been reinvesting that into the flipping business to grow it bigger and bigger. So um, it's so hard to estimate or guesstimate what the market's going to do. Yeah, Um, You know, I actually have a commercial property under contract for a new rental this year. Um, Hopefully there's some tax liens on it, so we've had some issues buying it. But that's one thing I've looked at is – diversifying what I'm buying. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I've always, I've wanted to buy rentals in Florida for a while, but it's, it's a lot of work and time consuming to buy in another market.
0: Sure. Some you, you don't, you're not, you're not in or you don't visit very often. I can, I can see that being an issue. Yep, exactly. So, so let's, let's go back to the, let's go back to the beginning. Tell us about the first home you bought. Was it a flip? Was it a rental? What was the experience like? How, how did that, how did that work out for you?
1: Um, the very first house I bought was my personal house. So I, it was not an investment, but it was kind of a good story, a learning experience for me. I was 22, um, bought a house for 190,000. I lived there seven years. Um, I think I probably spent at least 10 to 15,000 dollars updating the home. Did all the work myself, so a lot of sweat labor. And seven years later, I sold the house for (laughs) $180,000. That
0: sounds extremely (laughs) familiar, my friend.
1: (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was a really good learning experience. I I liked the house. But, you know, I paid full retail value for it when I bought it. Um, There are just so many things I could have done differently, like getting a great deal. um, And as an owner-occupant, you can put less money down. And if you live in the house for two years and sell it, you don't have to pay taxes on any money you make on it. So looking back on that now, I wish I would have taken more time to get a really good deal. Uh, Maybe lived in the house a year, turned it into a rental, bought another house, or maybe lived in it two years, sold it, you know, taking the profits and bought another house. So there's a lot I could have done different. But um, in the end, you know, I learned and uh, it it was a good learning experience about fixing up houses and and how to do things differently.
0: Hmm. (laughs) So after your first home, when was the time that you got your first... uh, rental property or
1: flip? And and then, I guess, how did how did that scale from there? Um, you know, I was doing flips with my dad right out of college. So, mm. technically, they weren't my houses, but right. um, we were partners. And, you know, we were buying almost everything at the foreclosure auction at that time. Like mm. the local, they call it the public trustee auction in Colorado, where, you know, people get behind on their payments, the banks take it through foreclosure. And you can buy it at the auction for cash, sometimes sight unseen. And uh, so we did a lot of purchases there. And the first flip I did was a country property with I think it's four acres, an old two-story farmhouse. And um, oh, we bought that for around one hundred and eighty thousand, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, put you know twenty thousand dollars of work into it, and we probably sold it for about two. Seventy it was a oh, really good right. one, one of the best flips we'd done and uh, so it was a really nice first one to do. <laughs> kind of got my hopes up a little too high for the rest of them but uh that was a fun one. I remember you know back at that time, I was doing a lot of the work myself I'd truck the lawnmower out there and mow down the acres of land, which I thought was saving me money, but in the end, <laughs> not a good choice and uh but that was the first one, and then that really got me hooked um like I said, we did a couple a year and I really tried to grow that business with my dad, um, finding, you know, we started buying it from the MLS, the multiple listing service, started buying from different ways, started increasing our financing. And, uh, by the time I bought him out in 2013, you know, we were maybe doing seven to 10 a year, maybe, you know, a really good year. And I kind of want to buy him out to get more aggressive, to grow the business. Cause we had different ideas of what properties to buy. Sure. So after that happened, um, Really expanded, and you know, I sold seven, or we completed seventeen flips last year. And the goal is to complete thirty this year. Wow! So
0: you're you're on a, a trajectory there. That's great. That's great, man. Um, so that first one, what made it such a good deal? What, 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 if you could break down the formula? Did did you guys just get a great deal when you bought it? Did you do a very good job in the updates, keeping the cost down, or was it just a combination of everything? How, how, why was that so successful?
1: Um It was a a unique situation, so. At the public trustee sale, the laws were completely different back then. They changed it. So the owners had a redemption period, which means, you know, if an investor bids on the property at the sale, the owner has 60 days to pay them off and keep the home. And on that particular one, the husband was still there. The wife had disappeared. And the way it worked was you could actually get a quick claim deed from the husband, kind of take over ownership rights and redeem the property as a new owner. So it was a little risky doing that because the wife could show up and kind of, you know, quick claim her ownership rights to someone else. And you have like a 50-50 situation. It could have been really weird. But we just took that chance, assumed the wife was gone and no one would find her. And because of that risk there, we got it for cheaper than you might get another property. And, you know, back in the day, t- 10, 15 years ago, there was – very little competition at the foreclosure sales. Hmm. And things have changed now where I think I've bought one house in the last three years from the foreclosure sale because there's so many investors there.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that process at the foreclosure sale because that seems like a place to to just get some great deals. But so you said the
1: market's been pretty uh, competitive there lately? Yes, for sure. So the process um, every Wednesday is is different every state. So Mm -hmm. Colorado will be the only state like this. Um, At 10 a.m. they have the sale. And they'll publish what properties are going to the sale and how much the opening bid is on Monday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So you have about a day to you know pull title work, see what you can figure out as far as what's owed against the property, because um, they, they guarantee no title work when you buy them. You know if there's you're bidding on a second lien and there's a first loan, you know that's your problem. <laughs> you just bought a house with a hundred thousand dollar loan you might not have known about, um, and so you do your work then show up at ten a.m. If you're the winning bidder, you have until noon to bring in the full amount um, in a cashier's check. Wow. So, yeah, you have to do it very fast. And there used to be great deals there. I looked at the sale this week, and there were two properties we were interested in. And I think I would have paid maybe a hundred and oh forty for one of them for it to work for me. And that property ended up selling for $170,000. mm hmm and the other one I would have paid maybe 180000 for it and ended up selling for 217000 mm. So the, the amount they're paying is just crazy to me. We can get better deals you know, on the MLS or from wholesalers, other investors, uh, right now.
0: Okay, so that probably helps that you're a real estate agent as well, so you can get on the MLS and, and find out what's going on outside
1: of, these, outside of these sales. Is that right? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a huge advantage for me. Um, not only, you know, I can look up the MLS five times a day, I can go see a house in half an hour, have my assistant write up a contract while I'm at the house, and we can get those submitted very fast. Plus, as an agent, you know, I get paid a commission Mm -hmm. for buying the house, and then we don't have to pay a listing agent commission when we sell it. So that can save us, you know, five to eight percent of the the cost when flipping, which gives us a huge advantage.
0: Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you really enjoy what you're doing. It's a lot of fun and exciting. You're also a, a husband. And it sounds, it sounds like you're a father to twins. Am I right?
1: That is right. They're so five you are a, a
0: you are a busy guy, busy guy with five five year old twins. So how do you how do you balance being a you know a husband, a a dad, uh, you know that, that's there and uh, <laughs> and being a great entrepreneur? How do you balance that?
1: No, I think it's really important. And some people don't believe me, but I work less than forty hours a week. So I mean, I come into the office at eight at the very earliest. I'm usually out of here by 4.30. I very rarely, if ever, work on the weekends. And then I leave myself time to play golf at least once a week um, during the week too. And the only way I can do that is by having a great team. So I have 10 people on my team, um, You know, six licensed agents who sell houses. I, I don't really sell as an agent at all anymore. I, I refer all my business to my own agents. And then I have a project manager for my flips, Nikki, who manages the contractors, you know, helps with invoicing, all of that. Um, Justin's my real estate manager who helps manage the agents, helps with my blog and all everything. So I have property managers for my rentals. Um, I'm really a big fan of delegation. And yeah, I spend my time doing what I like to do and everything else I Push off to somebody else.
0: <laughs> that's great, man. That's great. Keeping it all in line, and then and working with the experts to help you to scale and uh, and keep the business going. That's that's very smart. That's very smart. So obviously, it didn't start out like that. You didn't start with a team of. You said nine, right? Um, uh, when in the beginning, it sounds like you had mentioned for your first property, you were even going over there and cutting the lawn on that four-acre property. Did did you did you wear a lot of these hats to begin with? And then and then how, what what was the uh, uh, I guess the next process to scale up from there to to get people on your team?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I first started out, I was kind of trying to do a bunch of different things, and it didn't work very well at all. And actually, in two thousand six, I tried to do all the work on a flip myself i mean i was replacing windows the kitchen the flooring the lights painting um took out a wall and it was the biggest mistake i ever made <laughs> i wasn't selling houses i wasn't finding new flips i think i made like 20 some thousand dollars that entire year wow and uh i realized that i had to change things and actually what i ended up doing was really focusing on the real estate agent side um i became a foreclosure agent listing foreclosures for banks and hud I kind of put the flipping to the side for a while. So I focused on that. Um, At one point, we're selling 200 houses a year. And that's when I hired my first assistant, who's actually Nikki, who's my project manager now. She's been with me almost seven years. Wow, that's great. Yeah, no, she's awesome. And uh, just started giving her tasks, you know, because I was working 10, 12 hours a day, driving all over and doing all this crazy stuff. And just slowly started teaching her how to help with the Real estate agent business. She became a licensed agent as well, and then um, we hired another assistant to help out with things. And that's kind of when I when I bought out the team from my dad. I actually ended up hiring Justin, who was my college roommate and best friend at the time, and he moved down from Denver, took over my team. He was in the corporate world and hated his life, so he ended up getting his real estate license. Um, And it would have been really hard to make the switch without his help because he had management experience, payroll, um, was good at that type of thing, which I wasn't good at. So with his help, then we started hiring more agents. And I ended up hiring, you know, one of my cousins helps us with accounting. My mom's helped with different things throughout the business. So it was a slow process. It took some time just slowly hiring people. But I think one thing that really helped me was I tried to focus on one thing at a time. So, you know, I focused on building the real estate agent team up. Once that was done, then I focused on building the flips up. Then I kind of, you know, focused on rentals. So whenever I get in trouble, it's because I'm scatterbrained and trying to do too much at once.
0: Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash tello. Well, that's that's a good piece of advice, man. I've, I found that in my life too. So if you, if you focus on an area, excel in it, and then maybe partner with somebody to uh, maybe delegate a couple of the responsibilities, then you can focus on other areas and and keep growing from there. That seems like a, a great plan and it worked well for you. Yep,
1: It's, it's hard to stick to, but... Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Sure Especially
0: if you've got that perfectionist kind of mindset where you're like, I, I got to do this all myself,
1: right? Yep.
0: <laughs> so, no. so let's talk a little bit about advice for people uh, in real estate. Um, a lot of people don't want to get into rental properties because they think there's a, a ton of maintenance involved. You talked about getting yourself uh, you know pulled into fixing walls and things like that and, and having that uh, take you away from uh, where you can uh, excel best. If people are interested in real estate, could you give advice to, to the guy that just says, hey, I don't want to do that because there's just too much maintenance involved. I don't want to be fixing toilets. What would you say to that guy?
1: don't fix toilets you don't have to <laughs> no there's a that happens to so many people where they they buy a house and they want to do all the work themselves to save money and they want to manage it themselves to save money but um, what I found I managed all my properties myself until I had seven rentals and I wasn't doing the work on them you know I always had con you know there's a few things I would do in the beginning but I have contractors do the actual or handyman do the actual repairs but even managing it, you know, I was too soft on my tenants. I listened to their sob stories. I wouldn't charge late fees and I wasn't the best at screening them either because I was so busy doing other things. So when I got to seven, I had my team start managing the rentals and actually Justin helped with that where we worked on, he would take it over, he'd be the manager. And I think I make more money now, even though I pay someone else to do it than I did doing it myself Hmm. because we have better tenants, because you know, we're charging late fees, we're not being soft on them, and the processes are better. The money we're saving by doing things right makes up for the money I pay for the property manager. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that, thinking they're saving money, when really an expert's probably going to make you close to what you're paying them back by their processes being better. And the same thing for repairs, fixing toilets, fixing lights, you know. If I go out there and try and fix a toilet, it's going to take me two hours. Where I can hire a plumber who can probably go out there and fix it in fifteen minutes, and it might cost me a little bit of money, but the headache and the time I save is so worth it. I could be doing other things that'll make me much more money with that time than out going out there and fixing that toilet.
0: And that makes a ton of sense. That's why are they are experts in their individual areas. So I got to take advantage of that. Very smart. Exactly. Right? So what's uh, what's your philosophy on buying homes uh, with cash versus getting mortgages? You mentioned that when you go to these foreclosure auctions you need to have the cash on hand how does that work for you personally are you trying to save up enough to be able to uh you know pay a lot of this with cash or are you fine with the with leveraging these and 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 i guess if you do that which which modes of uh loans are you are you taking advantage of
1: um i love leverage so there's a lot of different theories on this but um you know if i wasn't using loans i might be able to do four or five flips at a time Hmm. so um yes, you know, it costs money to finance your properties. But I mean, on a typical property, it would cost me from maybe $3,000 to $10,000 in interest and loan fees, depending on the deal and depending on the financing. And my average profit on a property is over $30,000. So it just makes so much more sense to make, you know, $30,000 and pay a little more in loan costs than to not do that flip because I'm paying all cash on my other ones, right? And so I've really focused. I'm always kind of revamping how I pay for things, my financing. But I use local banks a lot. Um, they're usually the cheapest, but you know they don't always finance as much of it as you'd like. They'll probably be about seventy-five percent of your purchase price. Mm-hmm. So then I'm paying for the down payment. I'm paying for all the repairs and carrying costs out of my own money. Um, I also have private investors I work with. So, they're local investors who actually used to be my competition at the foreclosure sale, but they've kind of um, backed off from the business a little bit and are lending money. So, um, with them, the nice thing is a lot of times they'll finance the entire purchase price, but they're going to charge a lot higher interest rate than the bank will charge. Mm. And then there's also kind of hard money lenders who I work with a little bit, but not very much. And that's kind of a, a company that borrows money from investors and then lends it to fix and flippers at a higher rate. And that's how they make their money. But, um, a lot of times they'll finance, you know, maybe 80 to 90% of the purchase price, but they'll also finance a lot of the repairs. So Mm -hmm. if you have $50,000 in repairs in a house, they might finance that entire 50,000 for you, which is nice. But again, you're probably paying, you know, twice as much in interest or more than what you would pay a local bank. And along with that, I also have you know lines of credit on some of my rentals, on my personal house that brings in more cash that I can use to, to keep the business going. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. And yeah, it, it's just a matter of the more I can leverage and use loans, the more money I make in the business in the long run. And I feel the same way with rentals as well. If you're buying the right rentals that make money, um, you're usually going to make a higher percentage on the cash you have invested with a loan than if you're paying all cash. Yeah. And that's just because you have less money invested and the right rental will bring in more cash flow based on that money.
0: Excellent. And and right now, obviously, this is a good time still with the interest rates going up a little bit. It's still a good time to get those loans. Is that right?
1: Oh, I mean, rates are so low. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you look at the history, of, you know, yeah. um, under 5% is just an amazingly low rate. And even if they go up a percent or two, that's still a really great rate you know, historically in the U S. So, um, yeah, I can't predict rates. Everyone says they're going to go up, but they've been saying that for five years. And, uh, I think they will slowly tick up. I don't know how fast they will, but yeah, even if they go up a little bit, they're still amazing rates and it's really cheap money.
0: Okay, so so what's your uh, what's your grand goal? It sounds like you are you're trying to build up a portfolio and maybe even get into commercial real estate. Is there a number that you're looking to hit on you know rental properties or a net worth goal that you're trying to hit what's, what's, uh, what's your grand achievement? What's your dream as you're as you're trying to do all this?
1: <laughs> well, well, one of the big goals I wrote about and kind of created through my blog and that kind of really helped me get started was to buy 100 rentals by 2023. And I had my plan written out on how many houses I'd buy each year, how I would do it. And uh, that plan is nowhere close to coming out how I thought it would, (laughs) just because um, our market changed so much and I stopped buying rentals. But, you know, that's the nice thing about plans is you can change them, you can tweak them. And um, I still have that plan. Um, Maybe it's kind of shifted to 100 units Mm -hmm. instead of 100 single family properties because I've always invested in single family rentals. But, um, you know, for the short term for this year, I've got, you know, like I said, I want to flip 30 houses this year and I want to buy a a commercial building that's at least 50,000 square feet this year. And my plan with that is to kind of split it up into smaller units and rent them out and um, possibly even start my own office. So um, I did. I'm getting my managing broker's license this year as well plans to, at some point, maybe start my own office, and then for this st- team, we always have goals for the real estate team, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the long, long-term goes, the 100 rental property goal was kind of created to um, get me passive income, so that's mm-hmm. the ultimate goal, you know, 100 pr- properties is great, but behind that goal, what I really want is passive income, you know, of at least $250,000 a year, mm-hmm. um, so... Actually, more than that, I have to look at my exact numbers. I don't have them with me, but uh, <laughs> that's
0: damn impressive for passive income. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, and,
1: uh, I mean, right now with my fourteen rentals, I'm at about um, seven thousand a month.
0: Excellent. So,
1: yeah, and uh, actually, yeah, I think with hundred rentals, might. Oh, I, I need to see my numbers, but it was much higher than that. Um, so, passive income is what I really love because you know it comes in whether you're working or not.
0: Excellent. I hear I hear shades of Rich Dad Poor Dad in, in in what we're talking about here as far as like maybe an influence. Were there any books or resources that influenced you on your journey? Was was Rich Dad Poor Dad one of those?
1: You know, I did. I read that. It was a um very influential mm-hmm. as far as my investing goes. I was not to bash on the book, I think it's a great book, mm-hmm. but I thought it lacked kind of some of the details yep. on how to do it. Yeah, very philosophical. But yeah. I, I kept reading all of his other books, hoping Somewhere the details came
0: along. (laughs) (laughs) He ended up just buying a bunch of books.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But um, besides that, Gary Keller, um, Millionaire Real Estate Investor, was a really good book. I really liked that one. Um, His agent book is awesome, too, if you want to be a real estate agent. Both those are phenomenal. And um, there's a lot of other books out there. As far as just um, entrepreneurial and mindset, um, some that you may not have heard of are Third Circle Theory by... uh, PJ Gadami, who mm-hmm. um, runs Secret Entourage, I really enjoy his entrepreneurial style. And, okay, um, he's an immigrant who came to the country with nothing and is worth you know tens of millions of dollars now. And then uh, Fast Lane, or was it Millionaire Fast Lane? Um, yeah, I think that's what it's called by Rob. Damn, is that him? I I would have to check on that. But that's a really good one that you might not have heard of. Just about the mindset of of starting businesses, making money, and um, why you know saving for retirement in a typical fashion that we used to be taught may not be the greatest way to get there. So those are a couple of books you probably haven't heard of I liked, uh, and as well as the Gary Keller books are awesome.
0: Very cool. I just looked up Millionaire Fast Lane, MJ DeMarco. Is that, does that yes. sound right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, that's no the okay. reason I, I, I'm a kind of a car guy, so I have a, a Lamborghini Diablo, and oh. Rob Dam has one as well. And he's a YouTube guy and DJ DeMarco had one, so I, that's, I mixed up their Next names. Up. They're that's both okay. Lamborghini guys. <laughs> that's
0: cool. I, I love to ask this question because it helps people to, um, um, you know, learn the the resources of people who've been successful, and uh, I selfishly take uh, take advantage of it as well. So thank you for those <laughs> those recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one thing you mentioned, I was reading on your on your website. You mentioned that real estate will help you retire faster than the stock market. Can you tell us a little bit why you feel that way?
1: Yeah. So, um, like I said, with my rentals, you know, I have 14 rentals. I've leveraged all of them and they make me about $7,000 a month, which is after all expenses, that's including, you know, accounting for vacancies, accounting for maintenance, accounting for property managers. And that money is going to come in the rest of my life as long as I own those rentals with pretty minimal work for me. You know, maybe I might have to change property managers at some time or do high level over, you know, views like that. Um, and actually, you know, as rents increase with inflation, which normally happens, that money is going to actually keep up with inflation and keep going up. And slowly, I'm going to pay off those loans. So once I pay off those loans, it's going to increase even more. And I ended up spending about two hundred fifty dollars to $300,000 in cash to buy those properties. And actually, after I sold a couple of them and refinanced some other ones, I got almost all of that money back. Um, and I figure, you know, I wrote all this out in my blog and in a couple articles for me to have created that much income every month from investing in the stock market, you know, I'm 38 right now, I would have had to saved about $3 million or somewhere around there to last the rest of my life. Wow. And then there's so many questions about, well, hopefully the stock market returns are as high as I think, mm. you know, how long am I going to actually live? Because I don't want to run out of money if I live too long and there's just so many questions with the stock market. and um, with rentals just it's kind of like you figure out your monthly number and you just buy enough properties where you have that monthly number coming in. and there's so few you know so much fewer questions about it and um, I, I feel like it's so much less risky because you don't know what the stock market's going to do. you don't know how long you're going to live. you don't know you know what's going to happen. Yeah. and with rentals, people always need a place to live. And, um, real estate historically has always gone up in value and so is the stock market, but, uh, you know, there, this, it's just been awesome for me. <laughs>
0: excellent. Excellent, man. Well, I, I, I love that. I think, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a division and utilizing both of those, uh, routes, but it sounds like you've had some major scale and, uh, increases with real estate as opposed to the stock market. That's great. Um, We've got we've got the the selling season coming up, you know, springtime with the with real estate. You have a free guide on your website that helps people learn how to buy homes at 20% below market value. Can you give the listeners of the show like a sneak peek a little bit of uh <laughs> how uh, how they can uh, get a steal of a deal this coming this spring?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, so many people buy a house um Based on what the real estate agent says, what a lender says, and they don't really take control of the situation or think about it as the biggest purchase they're ever going to make, which it is for most people. And you can get great deals on houses. You don't have to be an investor. You don't have to be, you know, an agent. Um, and that book really goes into, you know, buying from the MLS, buying from auctions, buying from different sources. But one of the most important things to know is what values are. You know, what are houses actually worth in your market? And if you can learn that, then you can spot those good deals when they come up. You can figure out what they are um, because those good deals do come up all the time. And, you know, it's not easy to get them. You have to be patient. But it is such, you know, a huge financial benefit to buy a house below market. You're, you know, gain instant equity. If you ever want to refinance it, you can take more cash out. Um, If you ever need to sell for any reason, you have an emergency, doctor bills, whatever it is, you know, it's much easier to sell it and, and, and take money out. And like I said as well, you know, if you live there for two years, um, most of the time any profit you make is going to be tax-free, which is pretty hard to find tax-free money, no matter what you do in <laughs> any other investment.
0: Excellent. Well, I'll include the, a link for that free guide uh, on the website in the show notes for uh, for the show. If 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 we had to leave one piece of advice for people who are interested and getting into real estate, whether it's flipping or rentals, what would be that one piece of advice that uh, you would give to them?
1: Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I have you know 400 and some free articles on my site, investformore.com. So happy to share what my advice is there. But um, as far as just you know, one thing, I think you have to focus on, do you want to be in rentals? Do you want to be an agent? Do you want to flip houses? Don't try to do everything at once. You know, Focus on one thing to start with. And then no matter what it is you're doing, probably the most important thing you can do is know your market and know values as well as you possibly can. And, and if you know values, it makes the rest of it so much easier.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, you you mentioned Invest for More. Where is the best place people can learn about you and, and have a discussion with you about your business? Is that the best place?
1: Yeah, that site, Invest for More, and that's the number four spelled out. So F-O-U-R. And then if people want to email me, mark at investformore.com is the best place to find me. And uh, yeah, like I said, I've got a lot of free articles, got my own podcast on real estate, and uh, I have about five books I've written. So um, I do my best to, to put as much out there as I can to help people.
0: Excellent, man. Well, I've, I've spent some time on the website. I found it a, a very helpful, and uh, I really appreciate the time you spent with us on the phone today, chatting about uh, real estate and how people can become successful. So thank you very much. Congratulations on your success and take care of those two five-year-old twins.
1: I will. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, Had a great time. And yeah, let's keep in touch. Excellent, man. Thank you.
0: That was a great chat with Mark. Excellent. Um, I was most inspired by three things that we discussed. Number one, his path towards entrepreneurship. His success didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of hard work. But his passion for real estate and drive towards his goals helped push him forward. Number two, his advice on focus. I like this one a lot. He told us to focus on one area and excel in it. I know I personally fall into this trap quite a bit in my personal health and entrepreneurial goals. I try to do too much at once and I end up not doing anything at all. This interview was a good reminder for me. And then number three, his advice on delegation uh, in business, uh, in finances, in managing our relationship overall with money, Mark's advice on relying on other experts to succeed was pretty motivating for me. This ties in well with his advice on focus, too. If your taxes will be done better and quicker by a professional, hire somebody. If you need help managing your retirement portfolio, hire a fee-only certified financial planner. By realizing that success doesn't come overnight, applying some focus to our goals, and partnering with experts when needed, we're all going to win with our financial plans. If you missed some of the resources or links mentioned in today's show, I've got you covered. You can find everything that Mark and I discussed in the show notes at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session21. On that same link, please leave me a comment and tell me your interest or experience with real estate. Is this an area you'd use to grow your passive income in the future? Tell me about it. If you're interested in the three steps to 1K challenge I mentioned at the top of the show, remember to head to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash join. This will put you on the list to receive the free guide this week. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Robert Kiyosaki. The key to financial freedom and great wealth is a person's ability or skill to convert earned income into passive income. Good luck on your passive income journey, everyone. Carpe diem.